You are listening to the audio ministry for More Nations Church, Cardiff. You know, right at the start of this year, we um, spent a week as a church praying and fasting. Yeah. And uh, the Lord spoke to me at that time very clearly and just drew me back to himself. Great. And said, this year, it's about me. Yeah. It's about me. Look at me this year. Look at me. It's about me. Yeah, and it's no surprise that as we've gone through the year, time and time again, we've been drawn back to look at Jesus. Yeah. We've been encouraged to fix our eyes on Jesus. That wasn't as good as when Jez did it the other week. We've been encouraged to fix our eyes on Jesus. We've looked at the miracles that Jesus has done. We looked at the, at the time that Jesus walked on the water and the response of the disciples to what Jesus did. And the challenge came to us about our response towards Jesus. We looked last week at the way Jesus fed 5,000 men and women. And uh, sorry, 5,000 men and then women and children on top of that. And we were challenged about our response to what Jesus did. And it's good to look at Jesus. If ever you're not sure what to look at in the Bible, read about Jesus. It's a little tip for you. If ever you get to your Bible and you think, what should I read about today? Read about Jesus. Pick it up and open one of the Gospels and read about Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, it tells us, We, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. And as we look at him, we, who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed transform that word in the greek is the word that that we use to to get the word metamorphosize it's not just about a transformer toy which sort of changes from one thing to another and then back to the other again this this word is about being completely changed completely changed non-recognizable from what it was previously we're being changed into something completely completely new and today we're going to look at jesus again and we're going to look at another one of the miracles that jesus did And we're going to look at him and we're going to reflect him. And we're going to reflect him to this world around us. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 15. Dave did a fantastic job last week of looking at uh, the feeding of the 5,000. I I had to laugh because... um, when I started thinking about uh, preaching this morning, I started thinking about it a couple of weeks ago. The Lord drew me to Matthew chapter 14 and 15, and particularly to the story of the feeding of the 5,000, and then the story we're going to read today. And I had to laugh last week when, uh, when Dave stood up, and I just thought, Lord, you're so good. You're so good the way you just confirmed to us again what you're saying to us. So I've got the second part of what Dave started last week. And I don't apologize, I'm probably going to repeat things that have already been said. Because I believe the Holy Spirit is re-emphasizing again to us things that he wants us to live in. And he'll keep on re-emphasizing them until we're living in them and living in the fullness 
of them. So Matthew chapter 15 and starting at verse 29. I'm reading from the NIV. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the cripple made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have had nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, Where could we get enough bread in this remote place to find, sorry, to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish. And when he'd given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000, besides women and children. After Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got in the boat and went to the vicinity of Magadan. Okay, so another account of a miracle that Jesus did. The feeding of the 4,000. It's the less famous of the stories, if you like. That the feeding of the 5,000 is the story that's taught in Sunday school. Most children know the story. And if you like, the, the, the feeding of the 4,000 has perhaps been publicised as the poorer relative of the feeding of the 5,000. But that's not the case. Because it wouldn't be in our Bible if that was the case. God has things to say to us through this story. We find it in two of the Gospels. We find it in Matthew and we find it in Mark. And Jesus finds himself on a mountainside healing people. Jesus often found himself in those places. He was attractive to people. And they'd come and find him. Wherever he went, they would come and find him. They'd seek him out because they knew that he had something that could do them good and could change their lives. Some people try and say this miracle didn't take place. Some people try and say that the gospel writers got confused. Some people try and say that they they, they wrote about the 5,000 and then they'd heard other stories about the feeding of the 4,000. So they thought they'd put that in just in case. It's not the case. This miracle happened. It happened just as much as the first miracle. There are particular things in the story, the differences which wouldn't be there if they'd just put in a second time. There's there's differences in the amount of people that they fed. There's differences of how many loaves that was used. There was differences as to the amount of time people had been with Jesus. In the first case of the 5,000, the people had been with Jesus a day. In the case of this story, the feeding of the 4,000, they'd been with him for three days. The baskets described in the two stories are different types of baskets. We read in, the, in our language the word basket. But when you understand what's behind it in the original language, it's referring to two different types of baskets. The baskets in the feeding of the 5,000 were smaller baskets. The baskets in the feeding of the 4,000 were larger baskets. In fact, so large they could fit a man into them. It's the same basket that the Bible uses to, des- to describe when Paul was lowered from the walls of uh, Damascus. It was a large basket. So different types of baskets. And the context of the story is different. 
This happened. Jesus fed 5,000 people. And then he fed 4,000 people. He performed miracles. And then some people try and say that, okay, if the miracle did happen, then there must be an explanation for it. And people, and Dave gave one last week of the excuse that people give about large bread and large fish and you know, that the, the excuse that people say that it must be very large bread to feed all these people and these large fish to feed all these people. The, the other explanation I've heard is one of, of the, um, the, the miracle of guilt-driven sharing. Okay? The miracle of guilt-driven sharing. I don't know if this has happened to you. It, happens, it has happened to me. Of course, it doesn't anymore. But um, we're in, our, in our home, we, Colette and I, love a good steak. And uh, we love a nice, uh, a nice sirloin steak or a, a fillet steak if we're feeling like we've got the money for it. And uh, we, we have it on a Saturday night, and we'll discuss what we're going to have with this sirloin or this fillet steak. And for me, the, the, there's no option. It's easy. It's chips. Okay, you've got to have chips with steak. No option. Colette, on the other hand, sometimes says, oh, I'm going to be good. I'm going to have couscous and salad. <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> Moments on the lips, lifetime on the hips. I don't know. That's what she says. And uh, so I obviously cook my chips. Smell fantastic. Claire cooks her couscous, makes her rabbit food. And then we sit down at the table to eat. I'm just about to dig into my steak and my chips. And Colette says, can I have a few chips? Now, it's amazing the anger you can feel in a moment, isn't it? It's amazing the anger that rises up in you in a moment. And it's, it's righteous anger, of course. The, the challenge to the headship in the household that I have made chips and now you come to me having said you wanted salad and want my chips. And then the guilt comes in. Oh, I meant to love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her and... I probably don't need all these chips anyway. Certainly not the second plate that I've got there after I finish the first. Perhaps I should share some. And some people try and describe this miracle away in natural terms and say that that's the sort of thing that happened on this day. That someone got out seven loaves and then everyone else felt guilty and thought, oh, I've got a bit of food hidden away somewhere. Let's share it out as well. Can I say that's not the case? Jesus performed a miracle. In fact... I have to say I find it offensive when people try and explain away my king, who is a miracle, miracle-working king. I find it an offense when people take the word and try and put things into it that is not there, to try and naturalize something which was never meant to be there as a natural thing. Jesus took something that was natural and did a miracle with it. The thing I find interesting about this story, and as I've read these, this story in, in the context of the other stories, and the, particularly the feeding of the 5,000, you do have to ask, why is the story there? Why do we know about the, the feeding of the 4,000? We've heard about the feeding of the 5,000. Why have we got this account here? What can we learn from it? One of the things that I found interesting as I've gone through this account is the disciples' response to Jesus. You see, the disciples had been with Jesus for a long time by now. And they'd spent time with him, and they'd seen what he could do. 
They'd seen the miracles that he could do. They'd seen him make lame people walk. They'd seen him open blind eyes. In fact, we read it at the start of the passage. They'd seen all these things happening. They'd even seen him take five loaves and feed 5,000 men and women and children on top. And they have a very interesting response to Jesus. Jesus says to me, he has compassion on the people. And the response we find there in verse 33. His disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? It's not the answer I'd want to be in the Bible. If it was me, if I'd been uh, the gospel writer, I'd have put a bit of a response like this. His disciples answered, You are the creator of all things. You've healed the sick, made blind eyes see, walked on the water. You have fed more people before with less bread than we now have. So let's take these seven loaves and let's feed these people. But that's not what it is in my Bible. It's a real shame, isn't it? I'd love it if the disciples had learned by now who it was they were with. But seemingly, just like me, they take a bit longer to learn. And the response is, where can we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? They couldn't see that in front of them was the man, was the God who created all things. They couldn't see the one who was in front of them. They couldn't really see who was in front of them. And if they'd opened their eyes to see who was really in front of them, that wouldn't have been their answer. Their answer would have been the one that I gave. Their answer would have been one which said, yeah, we can do this. You just did it recently with more people. We've got more bread now. In fact, they wouldn't have even been looking at how much they had. Because they would realize that when Jesus takes something in the natural, into his hands, it doesn't matter how much he has in his hands. It doesn't matter whether he has five loaves Seven loaves, two loaves, ten loaves, two fish, three fish, ten fish, twelve fish. The creator of all things will take something into his hands and he will break it and he will give and people will be satisfied. If that was the Jesus that the disciples had seen, their response would have been very different. To say, Jesus, we got seven loaves, that's fine. Let's do it again. Let's see these people fed. Let's see them satisfied. Let's see more than enough baskets left over. In the hands of Jesus was not seven loaves. In the hands of Jesus was a miracle waiting to happen. It was a miracle waiting to take place. And as he looked to heaven and as he thanked God for the bread... And he thanked God for the fish. That bread was no longer just a natural thing. It was a miracle to feed the 4,000 men and women and children on top who were sitting around. 
The disciples looked around at them and they saw what they saw in the natural. They saw that they were in a remote place. They were in the wilderness. They saw that they were not near a city where they could get bread. And even if they were, there probably wouldn't have been enough bread in that city or that town for them to feed all those people. And there's wonderful echoes in this story. As I've read it, again, there's wonderful echoes of the provision of God to the Israelites 15, 000, uh, sorry, 1,500 years earlier when they were in the desert. And we read in uh, Exodus chapter 16 the account of the, the grumbling of the Israelites when they've come out of the promised land and they're walking in the wilderness and they begin to complain to Moses and they begin to say, we've come out here and we're going to starve to death. There's nothing here for us. Think of the stew we used to have back in, in Egypt. Think we had everything we wanted back in Egypt. And in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 4, there's a promise from God to the Israelites. It says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. You see, the provision of God is not limited in some mathematical way as to what's naturally there. Because the provision of God comes from heaven. It comes from himself. The provision of God comes from Jesus himself. It's not about some mathematical calculation. Oh, right, okay. We did 5,000 people with five loaves. 4,000 people should mean we only have to have four loaves. There's not some mathematical equation to work out these things. But so often we try and work it out. So often we try and make it natural. So often we try and say, oh, if we do this, this will happen. Look to Jesus. In his hands, he holds a miracle. Whatever is in his hands, he has a miracle. Look to Jesus. The other interesting thing about this uh, miracle which I want to share with you this morning is the location in which it happened. You see, Jesus was on, going through his, his time of ministry, if you like, and he'd spent time in and around uh, religious areas. And at this point in the ministry of Jesus, he was in quite remote places. And the territory that he was in was not Jewish territory. The territory that he was in was more Gentile territory. And this would have been uncomfortable for people who looked at Jesus. Because Jews, and, uh, Jews had a very low opinion of Gentiles. They were unclean. They were not the chosen ones of God. They were not the ones to whom the Messiah was going to come. And Jesus begins to perform miracles with people who aren't Jewish. And we read prior to this account, we're not at time to do this one, but we read prior to this account how Jesus has an encounter with a Canaanite woman. A woman who would have been viewed as unclean. Uh, an interesting passage, and if you get time, I'd encourage you to read it. But Jesus performs a miracle in releasing her daughter or, or casting a demon from her daughter because of her belief in Jesus. And Jesus performs this miracle in the context of people who probably weren't Jewish. 
These were people who were probably Gentiles. The 4,000 were predominantly a group of Gentile people. We read in verse 31, we read it before, that when Jesus performed miracles, it says at the end, it says, and they praised the God of Israel. The writer here makes us realize that they are praising the God of Israel. I don't think that would be there if they had other gods to praise. But he makes a point to say, these people, you wouldn't expect to, but they praised the God of Israel. And whilst the disciples were probably looking on and thinking, Jesus, why are we even here? Why are we even in this place? Why are we even speaking to these people? The Bible tells us something wonderful. And that is that Jesus had compassion on them. Jesus had compassion on them. You know, Jesus did come for the Jews. And he did come as their Messiah. And he did come so that they may be saved. And the same goes for today as was there as back 2,000 years ago. Jesus wants to be the Messiah to the Jewish nation. But he also came for the world. And the bread which he was to give was not just for the Jewish nation. The bread that he was to give was for the world. Turn me to John chapter 6. We read this about three or four weeks ago. Dave brought it to us. John chapter 6, verse 32. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world then Jesus declared I am the bread of life he who comes to me will never go hungry and he who believes in me will never be thirsty it's for the world and Jesus in his miracle here in this region that you wouldn't expect to find him in that the disciples would not expect him to be in He's making a statement which says, this bread I have, it's for the world. It's for everybody. It's for whoever wants it. The bread I have is for the world. The word used there is the same word we use for cosmos. It's for everybody. The universe. There's no one this is not for. And anyone who eats this bread will be satisfied. Anybody who eats this bread will be satisfied. Can I just say this? Never offer anyone a miracle without offering them Jesus. Never offer anyone a miracle without offering them Jesus. The greatest miracle a person can have in their life is knowing Jesus. It's great when people are healed of sicknesses. 
It's great when we see children made well. I, I love it. But tell people about Jesus. Make sure you tell people about Jesus. It's all about him. It's all about him. It's not about the miracle. It's not about the seven loaves. It's not about seven loaves that are being broken up and spread around 4,000 people. It's about the person who did it. It's about the Jesus who holds all things in his hands. Offer Jesus to people. Yes, amen. He will satisfy every desire. Every desire. That's what it tells us. Every desire. They'll never be hungry again. They'll never be thirsty again. Offer Jesus. You know, I take fantastic encouragement from the prophetic word that has come to us this morning. And T brought... Uh, prophetic song and in that prophetic song he used the phrase or he sang the phrase should I say I don't want you to forget that all of me is living inside of you I don't want you to forget that all of me is living inside of you you know the same Jesus The same miracle-working Jesus is living inside you. The fullness of that same Jesus is living inside of you. Ephesians 3 and verse 19 tells us that. It tells us that we're filled to the fullness of Christ. John chapter 7 tells us in verse 38... That if we believe Jesus, streams of living water will flow from us. From us. It's the Holy Spirit he's referring to. Streams of living water will flow from us. The same Jesus that took something very simple in his hands and performed a miracle. Is the same Jesus. The same Jesus that lives inside of you. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at him. And see that he is the one that will give bread and give life to the world. We had a very proud moment in our house yesterday. Um, Caris does ballet. And uh, she went off to a ballet class yesterday morning. And I'll be honest, we like sending her to ballet. She seems to enjoy it. But... We didn't necessarily think she's very good at ballet. She sort of does a few of the moves and does a bit of the dancing. She's learned to do forward rolls and all this sort of stuff, and that's great. But yesterday morning at the end of the class, the teacher called Colette to one side and said, Colette, um, we'd like to ask you if, if you'd like Caris to be in the performance group that we have. Not everyone gets asked to do this, but we have this performance group. Would she like to be in it? So Colette said, I'm sure she would. Is she good at ballet? And... Uh, Miss Yvette, the teacher, was called Miss, the ballet teacher always called Miss something, aren't they? Miss Yvette said, um, she said, uh, she said, well, she said, the thing is with Caris, I can teach her the dance moves, but the great thing is, whenever she gets on a stage, she lights it up with her smile. I thought I'd have that response. <laughs> she lights it up with a smile. And you know, 
When I heard that story yesterday, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and just said, that's what I want you to do. Because I live in you, I want you to light up the stage of your life. Light it up with Jesus. Light it up with this miracle working God that changes lives. Light it up with this bread from heaven. This bread that, we, that people will eat and never be hungry again. Light it up with Jesus. The great thing is, you know, the disciples did finally grasp about Jesus. I love the story of Peter and John when they went to the temple to pray. And they met a lame man sitting by the road. And the lame man says to them, give me some money. And uh, by this point in time, Peter and John have clicked. It's not about the money. It's about Jesus. So they said, we don't have any money. But what we have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. We don't have money, but what we have, we give to you. And you have Jesus. You have Jesus. This miracle working God, the creator of all things. You have Jesus. The fullness of Jesus. I'm going to keep saying it because I don't think you're convinced yet. You have Jesus. The fullness of Jesus living in you. Can you get your head around that? The fullness of Jesus living in you. You know, this morning, I want you to see Jesus. I was, uh, this book just caught my attention on my shelf yesterday. Better eyesight without glasses on my shelf at home. Better eyesight without glasses. And it says at the bottom, retrain your eyes and rediscover 2020 vision. And I thought, yes, retrain your eyes and see Jesus. Discover vision. Discover Jesus. See Jesus. See Jesus. He lives in you. His fullness. You know, if you don't know Jesus this morning, I want to offer him to you. I want to offer you a bread from heaven that will satisfy you for eternity. I want to offer you life in Jesus Christ. And if you've never experienced Jesus in your life, and if you've never experienced knowing what it is to be satisfied fully by Jesus, then this is for you this morning. I want to offer you Jesus and the life that he will bring you. For all of us here this morning, I want you to see Jesus. To not be blinded by the natural things you see around around you. To not be blinded by trying to naturalize the things of God. To not be blinded by doing mathematics in your head. 
but to know that the miracle is in him who lives in you. And as we know that more and more, we are being transformed with ever-increasing glory into his likeness. And we will light up the stage of our lives with him. So this morning, if you don't know Jesus for yourself, you've never known what it is to be satisfied by Jesus, then I want you to know that I'm offering to you, him to you now. And you can take Jesus as your Lord. That simply means you take Jesus to be in charge of your life. And if that's the case for anyone this morning, I just want to simply ask you now, just to raise your hand in the air. Because Jesus wants you to experience himself. And he wants you to know what it is to never be hungry again. If you want to know Jesus this morning, just now, just raise your hand up in the air. Just to indicate that that's me. Jesus, we want to see you more. Jesus, I want to thank you that in you is life. Jesus, I want to thank you that the bread that you give is not just a bread that's digested and disappears, but it is bread that when we eat it, we know what it is to be satisfied for life and for eternity. And Jesus, we want to see you more. You've been listening to a message from All Nations Church Cardiff. To download other messages, subscribe to our podcast, or find out more about us, log on to www.allnationschurch.org.uk. Thank you.